Welcome to episode 123 of the Best Bass Fishing Podcast. Tonight, Tony Hatton joins us. We talk about way up north smallmouth, fishing Lake Vermilion, tournament recap. We get into some jig fishing. We get into talking balsa bagley crankbaits. We do some giveaways. All in all, a lot of fun. Really enjoy talking to Tony. I think you're going to enjoy it too. Enjoy the episode. This week, the Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Arsenal Fishing. Arsenal Fishing offers premium custom-made performance apparel and tackle. Arsenal delivers a wide variety of custom-designed baits, accessories, and tools, along with unique utilitarian apparel for all outdoor enthusiasts. As part of their support, you can use code Hellabass15 to save 15% on all purchases at arsenalfishing.com to support the show. Now let's get back to helping you catch more bass and suck less. All right, we're officially live this time on a Thursday night, keeping things moving. Kids hockey schedule, keeping me guessing. So had to had to get my daughter to uh, captain's practice so she could put the goalie pads on last night. So um, here we are on a Thursday night talking with Tony Hatton, recent uh, Minnesota champion, overall champion of the Division Nine TBF National Semifinals up on Vermilion this past weekend. So congratulations, Tony. Thanks, and thank you for having me. Yeah, so thought it'd be fun to kind of recap the tourney, and people really enjoyed having when I had Kobe on after he kicked my teeth in at Wahamadu, so I was like, well, why don't we just keep this theme going and just keep inviting the winners, the people that take my lunch money, and uh, make it a theme. So for talking Smallies, Darius is always going to show up. He's a big Kentucky Lake. He likes to go up to Lake St. Clair. Um, Brian says we're looking good and sounding good, so there we go. Looking good is all relative. Yeah, we're, we're clear, I guess. We don't look yeah. good, but we're, we're, our picture is clear. How's that? Perfect. Perfect. I got my Arsenal Wolfpack Smalley because we're going to talk a lot of smallmouth tonight. Theme. My wife looked at me funny. I was like, I go get my Smalley hoodie because we're talking smallmouth tonight. And she just shook her head like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> it's a sickness. Oh. Vern says we have choppy audio. Is anybody else having that problem? Or is it just maybe it's your connection, Vern? Says Tony sounds solid. Do I sound that good? So all right, we'll see what anybody else says. All right. Move, move my mic a little closer. But uh all right. So we just got back from Vermilion earlier this week. Um everybody else says sounds good. So check your connection, Vern. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we fished up at Vermilion, a place that uh, I think both of us are semi-familiar with. Uh, you've got quite a bit of time. I don't know. I don't know if you've got a long history up there, but I know recently you spent a fair amount of time up there. Yeah. The last, well, Champions Tour went there four years ago, the first year that I fished it. So I kind of started going up there then. I'd only fished bass on it one time prior to that. Uh, I spent a week up there four years ago and then, um, fish a tournament and um and then we went up there i think we took a year off and then went back if i remember right no we went two years in a row anyway kind of the same thing like another week um in that year i fished a team tournament on the backside, a tbf team tournament on the backside of it as well this year i've got i had 16 days up there in a row between the champions tour and then the state tournament and then i just had the 
two days of practice and then the two days of tournament for this uh, championship. Nice. Yeah. So pretty, a lot of recent history. Um, yes. Chris, I can't see the, uh, the unfortunately, streamer doesn't let me pull up the member chats, but uh, Chris says, raise your hand if you've never caught a smallie. And then uh, Doug says, good evening, gents. Um, a lot of, a uh, lot of no smallies. We got people from all, we got people, I think, I think Fish in the Southeast is down in like Georgia. Um, Lake Lanier. Yeah. I think this is a cheap shot. Mr. Olker, <laughs> he, uh, he, he kind of, I won't say travels with me, but he is a co-angler on the, he fishes the BFL on the pro side out of Kentucky Lake, land between nice. the lakes, and then uh, on the coast side on the uh, Toyotas. Cool. Yeah, so Vermilion does have some largies. <clears throat> I spent maybe about 20 minutes in the tournament fishing for largies. I don't know if you spent any time or not. Zero. Yeah. I made one little swing into Greenhead just to see if I could get lucky on day one, but that that, that definitely a couple of years ago was a much bigger player in five fish tournaments, like dabbling with largemouth and trying to catch like one or two big green ones. But I don't feel like in the last year or so that really has played as much. I think there's been a little bit of a downswing in the largemouth fishing on Vermilion in the last five years. Well, what I what I was told by a guy from a resort up there was I think back in. I think it was 2004, 2005, they had a die-off. They had some sort of a bacterial die-off on the west side. Um, killed some largemouth, killed some bluegill, killed some crappie. And then they had another one a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And so it hit again. But that all it does is clean up the population, and then they'll come back stronger than ever. They're, they're, you're starting to see a few more in the last couple of years out there. Yeah, I mean, I think in another three, four years, you'll be catching four and five pound largemouth again. But it's just sure. tough to catch one bigger than three pounds right now. It seems like. Correct. Um, so yeah, so this we so Tony and I both qualified for this tournament by fishing the TBF State Tournament, which was like the weekend after the Fourth of July. Does that sound right? Somewhere right, in there, two right around in there. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we both finished. Well, I guess I think when I finished third, you finished like fifth or sixth or something like that. I think right sixth in there. or seventh, yeah. yeah. Top 10, but yeah. So top 10 got automatic invites. There's some other uh, ways to get into the tournament. So that got us there fishing this tournament. And then for the TBS semis, it, brought, it brings together, uh, supposed to be Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa. Iowa doesn't have a TBF at this time. Um, so the last handful of years, it's just been Minnesota, Wisconsin. So basically it alternates every year, the semifinals, which is kind of like a mini regional to think about it. For those that are more familiar with Bass Nation, Bass Nation has like a 10 state regional. The TBF has like a three state regional, which is kind of nice. I like it because I can do the bass thing. And if I make it like, it's a lot less of a commitment. If you make the TBF one to sneak up one state, you never got to drive more than four or five hours. Um, they kind of limit the practice so you don't feel like you have to take a whole week off. <clears throat> so it's kind of nice. Um, so that's how we got there. Um, Ryan said his, both his boaters spent a good time targeting green. Wisconsin guys. Well, I think I feel like Minnesota fairly well dominated the tournament this year. So, Yeah, Kevin was, what, fourth, I think, out of Wisconsin, fourth or fifth. I mean, they had fourth and sixth, but. Yeah, and but even on the coast side, it was it was it was a little bit lopsided, I think. <clears throat> um, just like the Vikings game, to be honest, 
Uh, so might as well mention that for you people in Wisconsin that are watching. So, um, yeah, so it was a two-day tournament. Um, I think you were saying you got up there, you practiced Wednesday, Thursday, and then did you take Friday off? I took Friday off, yeah. I went and played for a day. So, Fishing played or golf? Yeah, or just yeah, yeah. I went up to went up to Orr and played for a little bit. Nice. So in case Very we cool. go back for the Champions Tour again. Did you get any giants when you're up there? No giants. It fish up to like four and a half pounds. A lot of three to four and a half pound nice. kind of range fish. It was fun though. It was fun to just set the hook and not worry about catching 30, 40 of them in a day. Yeah. Greg, it's worth the trip. Vermilion is probably one of my favorite lakes to fish in Minnesota. The only downside is how freaking snaggy it is when you try to fish offshore rocks. But other than that, if you can catch them on jerk baits and topwaters and chatterbaits, it's a great lake. If you have to drag tubes and jigs, it can be frustrating. <laughs> Very true. Brad if said you, he had a big green one. Very nice. Yeah, if you if you think you have enough tackle, you need to minimum double it to go there. Yeah. And I, I was like scrambling trying to get my tow vehicle purchased, and I definitely didn't get my tackle in order. So I didn't have as many tube heads as I and tubes as I should have had. So I was kind of like trying to get every last fish out of a tube and like so um but uh yeah so and then i got up there so i i hoped i had hoped to get up there like wednesday afternoon and like get a little bit of time on wednesday and then get two full days out thursday and friday but i ended up not getting up there till thursday at noon so i basically had a day and a half but uh not a stranger i've had some success up there in the past you know, last handful of years with state tournaments and, and northern regionals and things like that. So, um, it's uh, the the rocks, John, are just unbelievably snaggy and sticky. They just, I mean, there are places like Riprap and the Mississippi River that are plenty snaggy, but this place, I don't know how to explain it, but like, it's not zebra mussels. It's just like your lure falls in a crevice and it's locked up. Like it's just. I don't know. Is that, is that accurate? I mean, I don't know how else to explain it, but like, yeah, they're they're just snaggletooth. I don't know. They, there's a lot of crevices. There's a lot of. Um, I mean, it's typical of, of shield lakes, where it's just it goes from one one rock to another. It's not like you're running into one rock. It's you slide off of one and it slides down into a hole, and you're never getting it out. Yeah, I mean, you, it doesn't you know, matter. You can like get up on top and change the angle, and they're like it. Yeah. It's like in there, in there, like. You can get two cranks on a crankbait on a on a shoreline, and you're like, I'm snagged already. What the heck? And you go up there, you can't even see the bait. It's underneath a shelf of rock. It's almost like shale, but it's harder than shale. So it, it kind of layers out, and it's all different varieties of rock out there. Yeah, No name for the new Chevy yet. Uh, yeah, you know, cranks, jerkbaits can be really good out there when they want to chase. <laughs> didn't really feel like they wanted to chase this past week. <laughs> um, Except like, for Pat Martin on day two. I, okay. Yeah. I didn't hear what he caught him on, but yeah, I think he, he fishes fast. He was fishing moving baits from what mm -hmm. I understood, but I tried it a little bit to keep him honest, but didn't run into him. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, if I can catch him on top water or DT six or something like that, or a chatterbait, that's my go-to on that. Like just to, to keep the frustration down, but I didn't really get on him. Uh, Vermilion is pretty deep, but the fishing is not typically super deep. Um, it's got a pretty healthy bog stain, tannic stain to it. So it's got this kind of, 
<coughs> reddish brown tint to the color of the water. Although I would say in the last two years, it's gotten considerably cleaner. Like it doesn't have, it's not as dark as it used to be. And I think the water is a little bit lower than it has been. And so my theory is that we haven't had as much rain. The bog, because a lot of the water, a lot of the drainage that goes into Vermilion is from like bog swamps. So I think by not having a lot of flow from the bog swamps, we're not getting as much of that dark colored water in. So some of the lake is kind of clearing up in that respect. But overall, it still fishes pretty shallow with that stain. The fish, I mean, I don't know what, I mean, people do catch them, you know, 20, 25 feet, but that's not super common. I think most people in this tournament were fishing 12 feet and shallower, if I had to guess. And up to like a foot or two, even that shallow. (laughs) Right. Um, Dustin hates the semifinals. The, the, the why I like about it is that it it's close to home. <laughs> so it's a nice ying to the yang to the bass stuff. Uh, so how was your practice? Well, oh, practice practice was good. I I found two new areas on Wednesday. Stuff I drove by in the champions tour. I'm like, why the heck haven't I fished that? You know. And I went in and checked it, and the quality was really good in it. Hmm. And um, we can talk about that a little bit later. But the, but day one was was good. I I didn't set the hook very much, but um, I set it too much. Um, I was at probably eighteen pounds without really trying. And then I went and checked a hair jig spot and lost like a four and a half pounder. Uh, so I would have been in that 20, 20 range, just screwing around on day, on mm-hmm. Wednesday of practice. Thursday, I just kind of ran around with a crankbait to to check on that bite a little bit and see if that was going. And it was going. It the quality was you had to kind of weed through the numbers a little bit on that, but they were there. Just nice. the front mm-hmm. coming in was a little bit of a concern, as it always is. You see, always get one on Vermilion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this to be twenty pounds this time of year is pretty stout up there. Like that's that's strong. Like yeah. in the spring, twenty one, twenty two is a little more common, but in this summer, late summer, I would say nineteen twenty is really strong up there. I would agree. Well, and a lot of people we were talking about this the other day. You and I were chatting about it. And, oh, I can go catch fifteen pounds any day out on Vermilion. Put put a couple of those fish on the scale once. You know, that's what we, Rich and I were talking about that. Like, put a couple fish on the scale and see how big they really are. Because what you're not realizing is the fish you think is three pounds is 15 inches long. And yeah. they're really only two, two and a quarter. They're just so fat and they look so big. Um, so, anyway, just you hear that, like, I can catch 15 pounds any day of the week out there. And that's really not the case. Yeah, they're surprisingly stout. It goes both ways because you look at a fish that's short and you don't think kind of depends how you look at them. Yeah. But like, I mean, those fish day one, I think my longest fish was like 17 inches. Yeah. And that was like basically 15 pound bag. And then my longest fish on day two was like 17 and a half. And it weighed 4.1. So they were, they're dense, they're thick, but they're surprisingly not long. 
um, which is kind of interesting because I did. I, I, the only reason I know that is because I do a kind of a, a month long online measure release tournament. And so at the end of the day, when I'd go release them, I would put them on my catch board and be like, man, they're just, they're not long enough to help. Right. <laughs> they're not doing me any good. Um, so, you know, that, that that's the thing is like, they're, they're old fish, but they're thick and they, they have no shortage of food up there. They're, you've never seen a lake that has so many crayfish in all your life. Were you, were you part of the house with the next, did you stay next to the guys from Wisconsin that had the, no, uh, no they had the crawfish nets out and they are uh, cages out. And I guess they caught a couple hundred of them and boiled them up. Yeah. They filled up a cooler in one night and yeah. they had a big crawfish boil in the Wisconsin house. It is. It, it's not as to me there was a lot more bait earlier in the year whether they've chomped up a bunch of it or i don't know what exactly but i didn't see as much this time around as i have in the past but i wasn't looking as much and i probably and i didn't spend very many days either so mm-hmm. but yeah you've you've never seen more crayfish the only other lake i've ever seen this kind of quantity of crayfish is cast lake cast lake in the shallows is crazy how many crawfish there are i mean you actually catch crayfish like if you're throwing a jig or a tube or like you will reel in crayfish on your line they attack your lures and they just like ride it in well in in july um i could tell you if i was going to get bit based on reeling a crankbait through and if you hooked a crayfish like slapped it through its back you knew you were going to get bit (laughs) If you weren't in the rock that had the crate, you know, that you were catching crayfish in, you weren't getting bit flat out. And it, it held true for a week and a half straight. It was that mm. way. Nice. Now, getting yeah, so my practice in the tournament is another thing, but yeah, my practice was short and sweet. Um, didn't have any trouble getting bites per se, had a little glimpse of some quality, kind of the same thing as like. It's kind of you want to set a little bit because <laughs> you want to make sure you're not pulling out a bunch of 13 inches. Um, you can try to feel them out a little bit, but um, yeah, there, there was a couple of fish that I, re- I kind of regret setting the hook on. But uh, yeah, that that's kind of or I tried to shake them and they wouldn't quite. You know, I wasn't using a cut hook, but like trying to shake them off and then they would surge and end up hooking themselves. But right. um, I I di- I tried a. F- a de- I don't know, a decent amount looking offshore, trying to find a hump or some points or some shoals or stuff. And I wasn't really impressed with what I found. I'm sure they're out there, but with the amount of time I spent in the short practice, I didn't really run into them. Um, so most of my quality and even the numbers were, were shallow for me. I don't know what, did you kind of test a wide depth range in practice or? I checked out deep a little bit. I, I generally don't fish much deeper than eight to 10 feet. On yeah. But that's what I'm talking about. Um, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, but even fishing shoals and things like that. Um, I checked them. The quality to me wasn't there and I've never really caught great quality out deep. And I know people have, I know Nichols won a tournament out deep um, a few years ago, or I don't know how many years ago in a uh, state tournament, I believe, but uh, I just have always found them shallower. doesn't matter whether you're cranking, whether you're fishing a dock, whether you're fishing a bunch of rock, you're fishing individual boulders. It doesn't seem to matter. Eight to 10 foot is kind of the max out there. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, the crayfish don't need to go any deeper than that generally, I think. And then if you get outside of that, you got minnow chasers and they're really inconsistent. Yeah, I don't feel like in a, with the late spring, <clears throat> I don't think they ever really probably got on those 18, 20 foot boulders this year. Not with any kind of um, consistency, I wouldn't think. <clears throat> but, you know, they were probably already coming. I mean, if they did get out there, they were probably already starting to come back shallower a little bit by the time we got up there. <laughs> right. Turn the light on, light switch on, and then turn it right back off. I guess Kevin Fasman, I don't know how deep he was fishing, but he was talking about that they were really on boulders in practice, and then and then it disappeared on them, hmm. where you kind of catch them at will. But I don't know how deep that was exactly. And you'll see that out there with some giant individual boulders, where you can catch them and you catch two, three fish off of one. But yeah, we're talking Volkswagen bug boulders, like car size boulders some of them i mean you're talking about ones that make you say bad words and hope your boat doesn't hit it yeah i mean <laughs> it, it causes some panic real fast if they're shallow enough yeah before we forget I want to make sure we thank arsenal fishing for supporting the channel in the stream uh the code down below as well as the omnia code if you guys want to help yourself out with some good tackle um great customer service and Fast shipping. I don't know. I'm sure you've got, you've probably made an order to it on me in your day, Tony. I have. Yeah. I haven't ordered as much as I probably should be. And it's a Minnesota company, but I have certainly ordered from them. Yeah. And uh, it's always been real fast turnaround. I mean, a day, two days maximum to get your stuff. It's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. And I guess the other thing, I do have some, some boxes and we'll probably open those up a little bit later when we get talk, done talking about the tournament. We'll give away some tackle to somebody tonight too. Yeah. I uh, there, I sampled a little bit of wood, and it was a little tricky, I think, because I think the water had dropped, so there wasn't as much. I think if you could find the good wood in the water, there was fish on it, but there wasn't as much wood in the water as normal with, like, decent depth on it. But I did get a couple fish late on day two on the wood. You know, maybe that's something I should have focused on. I, I had a kind of – I saw Steve Galetta on day two, and I kind of got a feeling that uh, he was focusing on wood a lot in kind of an area. And, I, and that was an area that I kind of found in practice where I saw him, which was kind of not super new, but something I hadn't fished in a long time. And I did find some quality there and I, I didn't think there would be much traffic up there. And I kind of like toyed whether I'd go there on day one, but I ended up not going there until day two and, and kind of late. And I kind of maybe regret that, but um, so yeah, day one, I guess I'll just kind of give my day one of my tournament. Um, started offshore on some kind of flat rock humps that i like that have that have you know when they get there they get there <laughs> like they can turn on they're really small little spots so they're kind of either there or they're not and i kind of thought with that cool weather there'd be some some smelt or some minnows or something would show up on those you know those flat rock humps and all of a sudden magically they would just bust them that didn't really happen um and then i mean i i'll be honest i just i ran a lot of shoreline after that uh, a lot of docks a lot of wood a lot of just you know hitting little points things like that and uh day one i think i probably early in the day my co got a four one or four pounder behind me um i just didn't think they would be up that close to the bank <laughs> i was kind of fishing the the edges or the ends of the, the cover and he threw up to the front of a shadow and caught a big one and then i kind of slowed down and really started picking them apart so in that respect it was good because it kind of like I was like, oh, that was definitely a clue. And then I, uh, I kind of vacuumed him up pretty hard the rest of the day and, and uh, 
you know, and, and largely throwing a stupid tube mostly, um, you know, it's a snaggy lake, but for some reason I feel like the stupid tube does a little better than, than some of the other stuff coming through there. And, uh, I mean, I caught a ton of fish, probably caught 30, 40 keepers the first day, but only ended up with 14.9. I did have a little bit of bad luck. There was some, some lifts that I threw into. I'd pitch all around the edge, couldn't get bit. And then I'd throw over the bar and then like tangle up with a good one and then get sawed off. And a couple other ones came on button, but that stuff's going to happen when you're, when you're around shallow cover like that. Um, I mean, not super stoked with 14.9, but also not super disappointed. I think they had me in 10th after day one. Um, I don't know. There wasn't too much. I tried largemouth for a little bit late in the day, kind of ran around. I think I actually had most of that bag pretty early, and I kind of went and gambled and went west of Fraser to some stuff that I had kind of done well a lot in the past, even though I didn't get bit there in practice. And I, I probably could have made better decisions on the areas that I ran and maybe done a little better, but that's fishing. Um, I don't know. What, how would you describe your day one? Uh, day one to start off. I, I really didn't, both days. I really didn't have a, shouldn't say that day one. I didn't really have a game plan. I kind of was just going to let the world take me where it went. And I'm not trying to say I was willy nilly and everything else. I just, I've got enough history as we talked about before out there. Um, I didn't practice any of the stuff that I fished on day one. And um, I went, I went to fish some boulders right away and didn't work. You know, a lot of times I can pull up, I can catch a three and a half to four pound type fish. One of the, one of the quality ones you need in a five pound or five fish bag. And that didn't happen. So I doubled back onto a shoreline that I'd caught him previously in the state tournament. And I caught a couple of fish and caught one quality fish on that stretch. Um, basically, I mean, fishing every, everything from docks and lifts, as you said, to uh, cranking and cranking the rock and the trans little transitions that are up in three feet of water. And, um, and then I went in into another uh, area. I fished the whole, I fished the east side of the lake. I didn't fish anything. I didn't go through the narrows at, at any point in tournament or practice, mm-hmm. or yeah, in tournament or practice. Um, and then I just kind of hunkered down and just covered water um, on areas that I had history on. And uh, same thing as you. It's it's almost impossible to fish clean on Vermilion. So it was same thing. It was it was docks. It was it was a bank. It was rails. It didn't, it, it was all kinds of different things. You're kind of fishing what was in front of you. Shade lines kind of caught them everywhere. <laughs> on day one. I bet I would say that we had, my, my co-angler caught the heck out of them on day hmm. one. He had like four, just over 14 pounds. Nice. And, um, but he caught the heck out of them for out of the back of the boat, which isn't always easy to do. And uh, I bet we caught 60 fish on day one between the two of us. And, uh, you know, I, I probably should have had the same bag I had on day two. But uh, the fishing gods didn't want that to happen, I guess, and make things real interesting. So I had to chase it down from the backside on day two. Yeah, and so I broke, broke a fish off on day one at three casts. I missed it. Well, I missed it two casts. Third cast, I broke it off. Next day, I caught the fish. 
And I ended up calling it outright at the end, but that was a three and a half pounder. And I, I finally hooked it under the stupid dock because I was going to catch that fish on day two. It's a good day in Vermilion when you call a three and a half pounder. Yeah. Well, it's a good day on any lake, quite frankly. I think I don't, there's not many lakes around that, that you're not awful excited to call out a three and a half pounder. In there, so absolutely. And Nick, Nick was up there fishing as a co. He had a, a decent bag on day two. Um, I did throw a jerk bait, caught a few in practice, but, and I threw it in the tournament, didn't really get anything um, to speak of. So what was, what were your main baits day one? Uh, my, my main baits both days was, a I was alternating between a tube, a exposed hook tube jig and, um, and then a, a square bill of pro sunny B, uh, Bagley. So banging off as many rocks as I could possibly. Did like a crayfish yeah. color or? Uh, yeah, I mean, a couple of variations, but, um, the green craw, uh, green crawdad, I think is what it's called is a it's a no burnt crawdad excuse me burnt crawdad it's a deep kind of a dark green with uh, a little bit of chartreuse on the belly and a little bit of orange but there's not a lot i've actually got one sitting here so i keep hearing about the sunny bee but i haven't thrown one yet <laughs> <clears throat> sunny bee is a lot like a uh well i don't know it's kind of a crossbreed between like a shad wrap and a and a DT6 or a, a Bagley B1, a DB1. It's stuck in the package, but it's part of our giveaway. So that's right. Tony said he was going to throw in a couple of uh, balsa sunny. Or, uh, that's the color right there. For that's Vermont. not the sunny B, though, right? Nope. That is a yeah. DB1. So yeah. that's. That runs uh, six to eight feet. I'm gonna say that looks a lot like a DT six. <laughs> yeah, realistically, six seven feet of water is pretty comfortable with twelve pound line. Um, you can get a little bit deeper than that, but you know you don't want to false advertise either. That it, it's going to do something more than that, and uh, you can just call it what it is. That's what they they basically dive to, um, and that 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 bay works. It worked in July out deeper, out a little bit deeper on the, um, if you were kind of hitting that, just feathering it through the rocks and in that three, four foot of water and then coming off that lip, mm-hmm. that DB1 was a really good bait out there in in um, uh, July when we were there. So, uh, but anyways, I was, I was going between an exposed hook tube and a, uh, and a pro sunny bee. So square bill and banging it off of rocks. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't catch a fish that, that I'm, I weighed on the pro sunny bee in the tournament, but I threw the hell out of it. Need a little more wind. Yeah. It, well, and we had a front come in in my history up there in all the last few years is when that front happens, that bite kind of peters away and you got to slow down. You got to slow down. And, no, I know that the, Vermilion, they, it's a great lake to chase the wind, and we didn't have wind either day. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. I mean, you can run a bunch of windy banks and stuff you've never fished before and catch some fish on it. But, uh, yeah, we we didn't have wind in the state tournament. We didn't have it in the semi-nationals or semifinals either. So, 
Yeah, and I think you ended up with uh, right at what seventeen. Oh, I mean, right, almost seventeen pounds on the nose. Just, just over seventeen pounds on day one. Yeah, and that put you in third. I was sitting in third after day one. Uh, Galetta had seventeen sixty-eight or something like that to lead it, and then Fazbind was second with seventeen and a half. So you're basically a half pound out of the lead. I'm two and a half pounds out down in 10th with lots of people to jump. So like I knew for me, I would need help <laughs> and have to have a good bag uh, to get to that spot. Cause with all, you know, maybe somebody was going to move on from second, but for all practical purposes, you know, you had to win the tournament and, you know, to plan to move on from Minnesota, most likely. Um, yeah. There were a lot of guys from Minnesota that were in that top 10 that were, uh, I mean, Mayor was chasing down. He was at what I think sixteen pounds, and Pat Martin was at just under sixteen. And so there were some some good fishermen in between you that you had to jump a lot of people. Yeah, Ballard, Ritter, Colin yeah. James, lots of guys were you know wedged in there with plenty of plenty of experience and uh, and knowledge on Vermilion. Unlikely they were gonna they were they weren't gonna all slip. So. Yeah, so day two, I went out. I actually spent a little more time fishing offshore, just kind of hoping that I'd get to a kind of a bigger wad of fish and caught a small keeper on a shower blow. It's always good to get a shower blow in the morning. I don't think anybody will complain about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. My Actually, my co caught a pretty nice one, like a probably a high two. Like as we were just pulling up this, he just whipped his tube out, and I don't even know what. It might have just been like a fish just roaming suspended off the edge of his this edge of this hump. Tried to fish around there, couldn't catch him. Went to another spot. I actually caught a, a three pounder on like a tiny tube on my next spot. Then I tried to roam around in the fog a little bit, figuring like oh, actually I was I, I wasn't going to fish that much offshore, but I was over on the east side, and like it that fog socked in so hard once we were out there. Like I didn't like my plan was like just run and then like, Oh, this looks good swing in there on the bank. But I was like, you couldn't see the bank. I mean, it was like a long cast. You couldn't see like, I mean like, so running around willy nilly looking for stuff to fish was not a great plan on day two in the morning, at least where I was. Um, not the ideal lake to be running around on where you no. don't know where you are either. I couldn't imagine what that would be like without GPS and mapping. Oh my gosh. I, Yeah think that all the time out there i get turned around and i know right where i am so i mean i knew where i basically was but it's like still eerie when you can't see i mean you're like right next to an island and all of a sudden like there it is like pops out of the fog and you're like i'm not very far from shore <laughs> like um but then i ended up getting on a stretch and uh, i hit some new docks caught a three pounder and then kind of refished a stretch caught a couple good ones um and kind of was like kind of neither when I was catching good ones, it didn't seem like it was fast and furious, but then like every once in a while I'd pick off a good one. Um, thanks for tuning in, Ryan. Good tournament. Nice job on your finish. Taking fourth, I think. I think that's the first time he's gotten hardware in one of these tournaments, so yeah. that's awesome. Um, but it seemed like when I was in an area where I was catching a lot of fish, I wouldn't wasn't going to catch a three plus pounder. Um, it seemed like the sporadic areas you'd get a couple keepers and then everyone saw you'd bust a big one. I don't know. That's what it seemed like to me. Um, and uh, I was kind of starting to build a nice bag. I was fishing cleaner on day two. 
and uh, my co was catching some fish behind me, and he was catching, you know, nice fish, but I wasn't worried about, you know what I mean? Like, he was getting those nice, like, pound three-quarter to two and a half. I'm like, oh, that's great. Those, those are perfect fish for you to catch. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and uh, – I'm okay with you catching 12 Yeah, pounds. like, that's great. Two and a half pounders. I'm, I don't plan on weighing those anyways, right? Like, because day one, I burned through a pile of two and a half to two and three-quarter pounders, and – my big fish was barely over three pounds and I had 15 pounds. Like they were just like two, eight, two, eight, two, nine. Like, and, uh, and then I finally like hooked a good one and it was like a tube over a bar under a boat lift and he popped out and I got him and it was like a, a 4.1. I was like, well, that was the bite that I needed yesterday to be in the mix. Right. Like, cause that would have put me up at like 16 pounds on day one, <clears throat> which would have yeah. been right kind of in the thick. And I was like, all right, now we, we got a chance. We got a four pounder. We got, you know, we pretty early in the day, a little further down that stretch. Uh, I throw in there and I get another like three, three and a quarter feeling pretty good. He kind of got my line all right. So I'm calling and I'm retying and we're sitting right in front of this dock and my co-angler throws his Senko in there and he's like, got one. It jumps. It's just a mega. It's a four point seven. I was just like, "What? Why didn't you eat the tube? <laughs> like, why did you let the three pounder beat you to the tube?" You're right. So, but that's that's just kind of fishing. Like that happens. I'm not like blaming him. Like he had every opportunity, <laughs> every right to throw in there. Like, um, I mean, I mean, could I have like pulled out and like drove twenty yards away from the dock and spot locked? Yeah, but it's just like I don't know. That's just not doesn't feel right to do that like i mean probably should like if you're really in your best interest but like it's kind of a, a kind of a dick move to be honest so <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna lie i did that on day two when i knew i had a chance but my yeah. coiler was out of it and he he was yeah. he said to me when he got in the boat i'm gonna steer clear of you today and yeah so if i did catch one i you know and i was approaching a dock or approaching a set of rocks I'd back the boat off just a hair and drop the poles and um, he had plenty to throw at. I mean, a day one, my co-angler caught fish in like thrown in the middle of nowhere. Hmm. It, it was like, they were everywhere on day one. It didn't matter where you threw, they were going to bite. And yeah. day two, it wasn't quite like that, but day one, it was crazy. Yeah. Day Number two of fish seems- just randomly off of the break. Day two seemed a little slower, but it seemed like the quality was a little better. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I got more solid bites, but less of them. Um, I would concur. It wasn't as high number day. But both days, I mixed in things that I had fished before and fish in new water. And overall, late in the day, I switched to a jig because I pretty much ran out of tube heads and <clears throat> caught a couple good ones, caught a good one off wood. It ran into Steve, saw where he was fishing, and I was like, oh, man, I should have came in here day one. <laughs> but it was fun. Uh, and I, and I kind of had that feeling like, okay, you probably don't really – I mean, maybe I was like, maybe if I had that 4.7, <laughs> you know, like uh, maybe I had a chance to run at it with that one. I haven't won almost five. But then – whatever like honestly it wouldn't help me that much i might have beat kevin but that would have been about it sure. with that four seven so it might have made me a couple hundred bucks but he got a couple hundred bucks for big fish so whatever Perfect. yeah hey steve congratulations on your solid tournament uh thank you place. nice job thanks steve. Um, but uh yeah overall it was good um you know could have fished a little cleaner could have made a little maybe better decisions especially on day one and my rotation but 
honestly, I don't know that I was going to make up four pounds, actually four and a half, almost five pounds on you. So like that would have, I would have had a lot of things to go right. Uh, didn't really just didn't have those big bites. So how did your uh, day two unfold to, uh, to, to take the win? Well, I mean, normally after with fishing the Toyotas, I guess, did you approach it any differently? Well, like a pound out or a half pound out or I knew I needed to catch at least 18 pounds on day two. That's what I figured. I figured the magic number was at minimum 18 because if Steve faltered a little bit, um, there were still other people, still other wolves on his tail. And so I figured I need normally the weights go down a pound on day two. And I figured if I went up a pound on day two, I could catch it, you know? So I was really shooting. I'm like, 18's got a chance. 19 should seal it. That's where my brain was at. And uh, talked to my wife that night. And and I'm not normally nervous going into a, a second day of a tournament. Like, I mean, the Toyotas and whatever else, I'm just not, I'm getting used to it a little bit better. And I was nervous as a cat on a hot tin roof hmm. leaving that that access that day. And I'm and so I, I'm bouncing back and forth between um, um, where to go and what to do. And I'm like, should I swing for it? How hard should I swing for it? How long should I swing for it? And I'm like, I don't know if I can catch the same bag out of the area that I caught him on day one. So I knew there was a couple of good fish in there. To, to hopefully bump the bag up later in the day. So I went to the area I found that, that Wednesday before the tournament and um, pulled in, Coingler caught one on a point. First dock I cast at, I break one off like a four pounder. I mean, it, it was it was a good one. A three and a half, four pounder beat me all up. It was a great way to start the day. <laughs> um, went down a little bit further and... Uh, on that stretch, I caught a 464 in practice, and I, I marked it, and um, I caught one like three and three quarter right right in that on that same dock actually, that happened to be a dock, uh, and I caught my I left there with two fish at almost eight pounds, um, went to the next stretch, caught another one, so my first three fish to start the day were uh, pushing eleven. Hmm. like it's going to go down. Hopefully. I mean, it's hard to keep all the demons out of your head at that point because I've been down the road too many times of you start to play in your head, whether it's a team tournament or an individual tournament, like, Oh boy, it's going to go down. And then it, you know, you stub your toe all the time. Um, Ran through that area. I think I left there with, I left there with a limit for, 16, seven, no, almost 17 pounds. And I said, I'm going to go dedicate an hour to the hair jig. And I, I have an area that catch some good ones in. Ran down there and I caught like a short two 12 inches and like a two and a half pounder and didn't get the big bite. And so I scrapped it. I Oh, somewhere in there, I, gum, I doubled back through the, the one little stretch that I started on. But the second stretch I hadn't fished yet, or a second time. So I'm like, I'm going back there. And I just put the hammer down and I ran. And I ran over there. And sure enough, I caught another fish uh, to bump that bag up to, 
I, I don't know what it was, 17 and a half at that point. Then I went, I ran, it was kind of mid-east side. I ran a quite a ways west and uh, went to the same area that I'd caught all the fish on day one. Mm-hmm. And I caught that three and a half that I talked about breaking off the day before. And that called me up a little bit, called me over 18. And then uh, I fished a lot. I caught a bunch of fish. Same thing, shade, rocks, docks, lifts. It didn't, it was kind of a, a hodgepodge of things. There were fish kind of everywhere. And it just, it wasn't a lot of rhyme or reason on day two. And then uh, I happened to be a dock that I never catch fish off of. I skipped it way the heck underneath it. And I set the hook and never moved it. And that ended up being my big fish on mm. on day two. And that was 420 something, 430 something. And it was at that point that I thought, I think I just won this thing. So um, my co-angler and I were both pretty jacked up at that point that, you know, that just happened. That put me over 19. So, and that's what I ended up with. I didn't catch any more fish beyond that. So, Yeah, that's cool. So you ended up with, what, 19.3 on day two? Yeah, I think 19.33 is what it rested at. 1930 yeah, or so two days 36 35 so a little over 18 pounds i think yeah. i came in with like 1672 which was probably like a top five bag on day two um <clears throat> pat martin scared us all a little bit with his 19.6 to finish second um so there was there was it was kind of a, like overall the bags were up on day two but there were some people that struggled at least compared to their day one bag like not like really struggled but i think like if you didn't bump your weight up, you were going to fall on day two. I think you needed to have some fresh water on day two. Because mm-hmm. if, if they're kind of bumping through the same areas again, you know, were there still fish there and did they bite? Yes. Were they biting like they did on day one? Uh, no, not to the, you know, that was like a, a one to three ratio on day two. Sure. So um, <clears throat> if, if they didn't have a lot to go to a retread or went through a lot of retread, I think that's probably why those bags dropped a little bit. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe nobody did retread their fish. I don't know, but you know, honestly, retread their area. The majority of my bag came on the same stretch I fished on day one. I mixed it up and fished other water, but I ended up getting like, like that. And honestly, it could have been really good, right? Because like that dock that I caught a three something, three and a quarter off. And the coke out of four seven, I caught one of my better fish on day one off. So that, yeah. that knock in two days, <laughs> and maybe I should have circled back and fished it again <laughs> multiple times. I guess I didn't realize, but like I put a weight a dot on that one because like it gave up three fish for eleven pounds. Right. You know, I was like, all right, that's when you want to keep. We got to remember that dock, like yeah. <clears throat> uh, I want to say we were 32, 33, 34, somewhere in there. Somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. Typically, we've been closer to 40 boats at the semis the last couple of years, but it was down a little bit for some reason this year. I think a, a couple of Minnesota guys definitely backed out. I think we were supposed to be at 16, and a couple of them dropped off. Um, my co-angler on day two had a really small limit, like seven pounds, I think. Yeah, Michael um, had 13 something, largely backed by an almost five pounder. Yeah, right. That helps. Yeah. 
that helps. My my co on day one ended up third in the tournament, if I remember right. Carson, I think he yeah. ended up third. And that's partly Dustin because Iowa doesn't have a federation, so it's just Wisconsin. So we only have two states. So I mean, we should be much closer to fifty boats if Iowa would get there. So. Yeah, in our states, Dustin, the TBF is much smaller than the Bass Nation for whatever reason. But but I, I was reading on the TBF site that if you have more than 40 boats, <clears throat> like for every 40 boats or something, then you get to send two qualifiers to nationals. So hmm. Interesting. So if you've got a bigger TBF, then you can send multiple people. So uh tony's headed to the the nationals which is awesome so have you ever fished a tbf national or bass nation nationals uh, i haven't i haven't fished a tbf or a bass nation but i did fish the aba pro-am national championship twice um i can't remember what it was oh eight and ten i think uh dardanelle once and gunnersville once and didn't yeah, fare so, very well i mean you you fished regionally so that's not like uh, or not, I mean, you fished some Toyotas and some like, right. So this is not like, you know, a 50, 100, 200 boat tournament out of state's not new to you. <clears throat> so that's. No, the uh, the Toyota this year on uh, Gunnersville was 324 pros. Right. So um, that's not real intimidating. I mean, I, I talked about it before on talking with Teal and, uh, you know, people kind of freak out when Seth shows up at these tournaments and when I showed up down at, when I, when I fished team tournaments down in North Carolina, when I lived down there, it was, it was a barrage of uh, elite series and, and or FLW tour pros, you know, Hank Cherry was fishing with Shane Leinberger and um, Andy Montgomery and Brian Thrift fished together as a team. So there's, I'm, I'm, I'm not, it's, I'm not unfamiliar with fishing against a lot of talent, I guess, is where I'm yeah, going with that. Absolutely. But, yeah, I mean, so you're probably, I don't know, the Nationals probably going to be 60, 70 boats. Yeah. Um, it's kind of an interesting format. It's a, what, a three day tournament. After two days, you get cut to the top guy from each region, um, which can be kind of good and kind of not good. That obviously worked against Ron. Yes. Two years ago in Louisiana. Um, so, but you basically got a chance to go to the national championship, possibly make the BFL All American. Um, and I think, the, is there a living the dream package or how I forget what they with the BFL All American? There's a living yeah. the dream package, yeah, that's what it is. So, which I think is an automatic bid to the Bass Pro Tour, yeah, or, or the, Tackle Warehouse Circuit, excuse me, or whatever that which is, is now the. MLF Invitationals. Yes. It'd be to to that. (laughs) So either way, pretty cool opportunity. Um, So, yeah, Dustin, the rumor that we're hearing, nothing's been officially published, but we're hearing mid-late March on Grand is what is – that's the rumor, at least the rumor in our semis. I don't know. You're right. (laughs) Could be could be different than somebody else's. So we'll see. So um, hopefully, uh, 
Tony can head down, get on a great pre-spawn largemouth bite on Grand, and and uh, take home the win and move on to the the All American, which I think to me the All American is a a bucket list tournament that I'd like to fish. I've dabbled in the BFLs. I've only fished one full season. I actually took seventh in the points the one year I did the Great Lakes. I kind of I keep wanting to like make time to do that, but it's just a a, a time off commitment. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Maybe this year, since I haven't made the Natty and I didn't make the Bass Nation Regionals next year, maybe I'll have time to fish the uh, BFLs next year. There so. you go. <laughs> Raise the bar. But, Raise uh, the bar. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's a big deal. That would be What's a big that? that would be a big deal fishing the BFL. Sure. I mean, the the national championship is is a monstrous deal for sure. Um, but to think you've got a you know one in eight chance of fishing the BFL All American based on you know I got to beat seven guys instead of mm-hmm. 50, 60 guys um, is a is a real realistic opportunity, and you know hopefully you can capitalize on that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have not got a chance to fish a TBF national. Uh, I assume that they roll out the red carpet to some degree and make a big deal out of it. I've fished three Bass Nation national championships, and those are awesome memories. So, and it burns inside of me to get back to to them uh, like no other. So, um, just uh, I would say enjoy it. Like you know, go down there with business on mind, but also don't 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 forget to enjoy it. Oh, for sure, no doubt about it. I. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I I enjoy that time on new water and new challenges. So I'm really looking forward to that and and excited for the opportunity. Benedetto wants to know, what's your PB, Tony? Oh, eight pounds, seven ounces. Was that out of state? That was California. I lived in California for two years. So uh, I caught one pre-spawn that was 27, or I mean, pre-feed bag in the fall sure that was 27 inches long and it weighed eight seven hmm. on a picasso fantasy football jig and peanut butter and jelly nice so tony's a big jig guy so we probably won't get into all of tony's history tonight but tony's <laughs> got some good stories and uh i encourage anybody that's interested to learn more about tony to go check out uh, aaron teal's bass galaxy podcast and listen to one of the recent episodes there and you can Get some more good stories uh, on Tony if you want. We'll cover some of that, but but, uh, it's a good listen. Uh, The episodes, especially if you're from the upper Midwest, there's some really good stories, uh, bass fishing tournaments, things like that on that podcast. Aaron's does a good job. But uh, I don't know. So we uh, talk jigs, please. So what? Uh, so I guess do you have a a go to jig? What's your? Are you an Arky guy? Do you have a, a variety of jigs? Uh, like what? What do you all? Uh, if I can get away with it in in any situation, I'm going to throw a football jig, hands down. Uh, it keeps cup bottom contact better. You can fish it on a semi taut line much easier than a than any other form of a jig, and uh, bottom contact is key to fishing a jig. So. Um, I throw a football jig whenever I can get away with it. And I've got a unique way of being able to feather it through weed lines a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether that creates a different action, I don't know, but it, it slows me down as well. You know, make sure that I'm getting contact with the weeds and or the bottom. So first and foremost, that would be it. And then second would be a poison head, which is kind of a crossbreed between a weed jig, weed jig and a, 
you know, football jigging away and it stands up. So um, part of the problem with a regular swim jig or a, a weed jig is that it'll lay on its side when it hits the bottom. And when that fish sucks it up, they get skin hooked. You don't get it through the jaw. And it's kind of the old Denny Brower adage way that his pro model jig was designed so it would stick up into the roof of the mouth of the fish when they grabbed it. Kind of that same idea. Gets him to stand up, show the pinchers a little bit. And uh, so that those are basically my two go-to jigs. And then I'll go to a regular weed sneak kind of a jig um, if I need to. But I prefer not to. Do you make your own jigs or do you got jigs that you like off the shelf or what? The... No, I've, I've got a friend of mine, John Shearpotty, actually pours my jigs or, or uh, ties my jigs. Uh, he owns California Reservoir Lures. Mm-hmm. And his uh, his jigs are fantastic. They got a really good quality mustad hook on them, and um, and I don't I don't also don't fish braid very much, so um, I need a hook that I can penetrate with yeah. the fluorocarbon, but not be too thin. You know, for a light a light braid hook set, great. And actually, a lot of guys throw them, and it, they're fine with it. But I set the hook like King Kong, apparently. And have problems with it so i have problems with braid breaking braid at less than 65 pound um, i got a lot of comments on my day one lahamadu video on my hook sets so <laughs> we probably get along just fine throwing yeah. and, and ripping on them <laughs> yeah todd my preferred trailer is going to be uh rage crop uh i would say it's upwards of 90 percent of my trailers are going to be rage cross the only time I really differentiate from that would be in the winter time or early in the spring, late in the fall. Um, I, I may change it up to a Yamamoto twin tail because they have a little bit less action going down. Mm-hmm. But when they're laying on the bottom, they twitch a little bit and or uh, a swimming chunk from Zoom on the jigs in the fall. I don't know what the heck it is about them, but it's a stupid do nothing thin trailer, but it works great in the fall and a, and a brush hog brush hog would be the other one that is kind of a fall deal for me the full one um depends on how big of a jig you're throwing uh, generally if it's a three ace three ace or lower i throw a, a baby brush hog or a or the berkeley version or the um or the coffee scent from strike king game hog game hog and then um and then if it's bigger if it's a half ounce or bigger then i'm going to maybe a a full full size brush hog but cutting it down shortening it a little bit maybe taking an inch or so off of it nice that's some when you put a big brush hog on a jig that's some meat down there yeah and they like it in the fall i mean you're not going to get very many bites but you're going to catch a eight pound walleye and then you're going to catch a 12 pound pike (laughs) and uh i lived in huntersville north carolina so the south side of uh lake norman charlotte area right yeah yeah yep just west of the access which dobbins do i think is best yes depends on what you want to use it for raymond (laughs) i would say the 734 is the best all around like Jack of all trade rods does a ton of things really good. Um, you can throw big spinner baits, you can throw lipless on it, you could flip a jig, you could a tube, do all kinds of things with it. Chatterbait, 
744 is what I was flipping beavers and stuff with. I used a 744 to flip grass a lot. The jig special for flipping three quarter ounce beavers and three quarter ounce tungsten jigs and things like that. I really like that, you know, around grass and stuff. So it really depends on what you want to do with it, Raymond. But uh, if you want, you could DM me on Instagram or Facebook and we could talk Dobbins rods all day. <laughs> I think some of that have also depends on what, what line you're throwing. Yeah. Too. I mean, right. there's a lot. Right. Yeah. It's like, Oh, what, you know, what are you throwing? Do you like braid? Do you like floral? Are you braid to floral? Then that that's all, right. you know, are you open water? Are you fishing in cover? Like that's all kinds of things. Yeah. yeah and if you're fishing floral, you generally step up a, to the, the seven forty five or the, or seven thirty five or seven thirty six. Yeah. Yeah. I used to use Dobbins, but yeah, and it's great rods. Yeah, I think that's part of my problem is I've never like I've, I've tried to do the braid to floro, but I've never backed my rods down <laughs> when I did it, and I t- I yeah. can't I can top braid to floral leaders on spinning rods all day and never yep. have a problem, but if I do yep. it on a baitcaster, I I pop them left and right. So. If if there, I think it's a sound thing, so I don't think that it really matters whether there's a fluorocarbon leader on a baitcaster or not. Yeah. That's my humble opinion. Is that it's still seesawing through the through the grass and making noise. Yeah. Some people are using like you know 10, 12, yeah. 15 foot liters, then it probably yeah. wouldn't matter. So but or wouldn't. I don't want another weak spot in my line. Yeah. Well, that... <laughs> That's me. Uh, That's me. So let's uh well let's some more questions roll. We're gonna <laughs> pop open this month's Mystery Tackle Box, Pro Box. So shout out to them for powering the stream and giving it to you in HD 1080. So without them, we'd be back at 720 Dark Ages. So we thank them for that. Uh, We'll give this away in a little bit. Um, There's a link in the description if you want to check it out, if you want to get one for yourself or as a gift. Um, I always say that, like, if you're a super serious bass angler but doing a long time, it's probably not. For you, um, but you know, as I, you know, I, but I also wouldn't hate it if somebody got it to me as like a three month subscription as a gift. Like I always like getting free tackle, right? And I think they're great for people just getting into it. You know, if you want to sponsor a, a youth member or a high school member and you want to like help them out a little bit, I think you know, doing a box like this would be a great way to to you know um, help somebody out. So if you want to get one as a gift for yourself, there is a link and a code down in the description below. We're going to peek in this month. And I've actually been, you know, we've been doing this for three, four months now. I've been pretty impressed with some of the stuff that's been in here, to be honest. All right. We don't, we're not going to do any bait can tonight. I'm too lazy. So uh, this, this is interesting looking. A lipless from Arc. So this is the same company that's Arc Rods, but they've been doing some bait stuff. So this is kind of a, a kind of a unique shape to that lipless he's kind of got a little bit deeper belly and a little bit like kind of concave head on it it's like a Missouri vibe but thicker yeah a little deeper um it's called the z63 the graphics and writing on it are really hard to read so i can't tell you what the design is but it looks like they're kind of advertising some yo-yo motions on the uh, graphics on the back there uh as a packaging, does the person does packaging? They did a terrible job on their print font contrast on the back of that package. But the, you know, decent looking bait. It's a uh, half ounce silver black back, kind of a short, stubby lipless. So you know, I mean, hey, I'd, 
pretty sure if you're fishing around shad in the fall, that'd probably get bit. All right, what else we got here? So you got a Guggen Squad Mini Zinger Spinnerbait. Um, not super. I've never really fished any of the Guggen baits much. Looks like a pretty standard 3-8 ounce chartreuse white spinnerbait. Or quarter, that's a quarter ounce, but... Their saucer swimmers are bad dudes. Yeah, I haven't really played around with them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, probably a great little spring, fall spinnerbait or a pond spinnerbait. Nothing super original or crazy about it. I mean, chartreuse white gets a bit just about everywhere. Um, sandbar tackle. You get two, do, two EWG three-out hooks. I always say that if you're going to send hooks, send me more than two. All right, we got a blade bait here. This feels pretty heavy. How heavy is this? 26.3 grams. Yeah, it's almost an ounce. 15 sixteenths. <laughs> pretty heavy blade bait. So we're getting to that season where blade baits will play. Can you imagine trying to throw a blade bait over a million? What hell that would be? <laughs> <laughs> it says it's got a UV coating. So Strike Pro, I believe, is a European company. And uh, they are the inventors of the Bubba, which is now licensed to um, Strike King for their hybrid hunter, right? So that's kind of their claim to fame is they invented the hybrid hunter, which was called the Bubba. So they've always been kind of a multi-species. So they do make some good baits. They're just not super popular necessarily in the bass market. So this is this is a pretty hefty blade bait here called the uh, Tournament Grade. That's the Astro Vibe 65. Hot, hot water discharge uh, somewhere down south on a nuclear plant in the winter. That would work well. On Norman? Yeah, uh, well, or Blue, I fished Baloo's Creek, which was uh, another hot water discharge back in the... Now it's got spotted bass in it, but those are really fun lake in the, in the wintertime to chase around them shad. This is kind of cool. So Mayhem Bait Company. So... Liquid mayhem. So you actually get a a tube of liquid mayhem with your plastics. That's kind of neat. So I don't know if they're pre-scented with mayhem or they just give you the... I would say they're not pre-scented. <laughs> so you got to apply your own. But it comes with a tube, which I've dabbled with this in the past. I've used it. I don't know. Can't, I mean, scents are kind of like... You never really know if scents are working or not. But So you've got a... Uh, I would say a uh, skinny dipper imitator here. The Thrust Swim Minnow. I like the name of that. Thrust Swim Minnow. They call it Sunfish, but it's very much a sungill, which is a very popular, I mean, proven K-Tech little swimmer type color. A lot of people love that. That one's going to have some action. The tail is loose. Yeah. A good swim jig trailer for sure. Nothing else. No doubt. So... Uh, I mean, you only get five baits, but you get a tube of liquid mayhem. I guess I'd probably prefer to have more baits. <laughs> just just sure. go ahead and just pre-squirt a little liquid mayhem and just sauce them all up. But it's kind of, I mean, give them credit a little bit. It's unique, right? Something a little different. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, Mr. Twister back in the day had a, the, some of the first swim baits I remember that were rubber bodied. And, uh, and they had a 
almost like a pill that you put in and it was a bleeding Mr. Twister or something like that. And some were like a single tail and some were a double tail, almost like a double uh, curly tail. And they had a a bleeding, like almost like an Alka-Seltzer thing that you put inside of them for that blood to come out of them. I remember those. Yeah. Just remember my dad's got some. I'm waiting to get that tackle box at some point. Would you catch them on? Well, a 40-year-old swim bait. Nick said he caught a muskie in a blade bait in practice. I actually didn't tangle with any muskies. I didn't even, I don't think I even saw. There's one time where I like broke off really clean on the hook set that I thought maybe was a muskie, but I didn't see it. Um, usually almost every time I'm up there, um, I see some or I tangle with some or I pull my bait away from some. Right. Yeah. I haven't, I didn't catch one this year, but I had, uh, I take that back. I caught one really small one. I, I did. I did catch maybe actually both days. I think I caught like a little yeah, little musky. But yeah, yeah, no, I caught two two big pike though in the tournament. I mean, like six my, one of my co's caught. Pounders. Yeah, my day one co caught a pretty nice pike. I was like, you know, sometimes the we were like, I was just kind of buzzing by some reeds, <laughs> and I was like, because I know people catch them in the reeds on Vermilion, but I don't right. really like fishing the reeds. And I was like, right. you know, sometimes they get in the reeds and people catch them. He literally pitches in there and he's. Dunk! And he's like, he's like, oh, it was like a big old pike. And he's like, it was like literally, as I said, sometimes they get in the reeds, it was like, whack. <laughs> he's like, and he just, his rod screeched and he's like, I got one. So interesting. And then uh, got some uh, Excite Bait trick worms labeled as high floaters, which I guess you'd want in this style of worm for the most part. Uh, funny thing, I actually, I went fishing with Joel Willard, and he was throwing straight pumpkin seed, which is something that I used to throw all the time, but have really gotten away from <laughs> watermelon, green pumpkin now. And he throttled me one night on prior. And so I bought some of these, and I used them quite a bit up on Lahamadu in the, the state tournament. Not necessarily these, but throwing a zoom worm in this pumpkin color. You know, if you listen to if you listen to G-Man... That pumpkin seed, which is the top was the top selling color for Zoom, was actually a mistake. Hmm. And the guys in the plant used this whole mistake on those trick worms, and just started loading the boat on them, and it became a standard color based on that mistake. Nice, because I mean, Swindle's been with them for a hundred years, and that's yeah, I, I don't remember the guy's name that makes some crankbaits, but the guy that owns Ed, Ed, Ed Chambers, yeah, Ed Chambers, thank you. Rest, rest in peace, Ed Chambers. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that was a mistake in the plant. So you get the, you get to explain how to fish the zinger spinner bait. Little MTB sticker. You get some sway, and it kind of tells you, you know, how much your baits are. So I don't know, decent looking box. I would say not probably as good as like the last couple because like I want to say one or two of the boxes ago came with a Lucky Craft like custom with Taco Hero like <clears throat> custom sunfish color. So we had some different cooler baits. That sounds like some pretty standard. Nothing crazy, but some decent looking baits that would catch some fish. Um, nothing super exciting, but a solid box. And then they sent me some bonus stuff, which we're going to pop open here quick. Get the, uh, the battle braid scissors out here again. That's what I'm saying, JP. Like, 
Bring back pumpkin seed. Make pumpkin seed great again. Uh, I did catch a tiny walleye. A couple of them. But... I feel like the walleye's got smaller on your million. There's a healthy population of 14 inches out there right now. So they sent a couple mini poppin' frogs. So they came out with their new smaller poppin' frogs, which I feel like <clears throat> I'm not a huge fan of these smaller frogs. <clears throat> I don't throw them a lot. I tend to throw, but I feel like as a pond angler, these mini poppin' frogs would probably be pretty good. <clears throat> so I'm going to throw... <clears throat> one of these in this box. So whoever wins the box can tell me whether they want the green or the black, and I'll throw it in the box. And then when we do the members-only box, they'll get the other frog. We'll sweeten the pot. Two-inch, three-eighths ounce. Uh, ghost gill and leopard frog. So actually, this one that's black back is actually like a ghost gill. All right. Let's get this set up. Oh. <sighs> You okay for time, Tony? I didn't ask you. Yeah, I'm good. All right. We're going to do hashtag natty. Since Tony's headed to the natty. So let them rip in the comments, in the chat, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube. You can just hit hashtag natty in the comments and it'll start entering you into the contest. Daniel says he's about the so sadly Daniel won one of the boxes in the membership, and uh, somehow the people in USPS opened the box or he like lost like seventy percent of it. So we're gonna have to make this up to, to Daniel and get him some lures here. Um, heading out to Tonka this weekend, gonna target deep. How deep is too deep this time of year on Tonka? Any Tonka rats out here? I am definitely not a Tonka rat. We are starting to get to the time of year where they are definitely going to start peaking shallow. You can definitely start <clears throat> targeting more pads, start targeting targeting shallower foil and docks if you want. But I don't think you need to be out there in 23, 24, 25 feet. I probably would say 8 to 15 if I was going to fish offshore in Taka this time of year. But I'm not a Taka rat. I, don't, I get the feeling that Tony's not either. No. No, I'm not. No, I don't. I don't drive south if I don't. I mean, that far south in Minnesota if I don't have to. Yeah, you're you're kind of like up. For people that don't know, Tony's a little more up towards St. Cloud ish, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm just west of St. Cloud in Richmond, so uh, I don't. You know, the Tonka guys are they're out there a lot of days a week and it's the only time I fish it is if I have to for a tournament. So yeah, if it's a circuit and they bring you there. Yeah, right. Not the same way. Right. You know, I, I'd, I'd much prefer to fish whitefish, Lahamadu, gull, uh, leech, doesn't matter. Pokegma. It should not be case sensitive. I don't believe. Uh, well, speaking of, Tournament director checking in. Marty did a great job running the tournament this weekend with his staff. So shout yes, out to you, did. Marty. Did a great job. Look at this. TK is double dipping. He's got multiple people entering. You got any native gills left? 
Tackle Craft on the website, or are they all sold out? Yeah, he doesn't live too far from Intune, I don't think. Yeah, that, correct. That general region. I could almost throw a rock across the highway from where I am right now and hit it. So nice. So the horseshoe chain is the home pond. Home pond, yep. I like to consider Clearwater my home pond, but okay. Horseshoe is yes. Two of my favorites for sure. So we got 34. They're all gone. No more native girls left. Should be showing one of those off on a future stream. Oh, look who's speaking of the shoe. Look who's here. Mr. Teal. Mr. Teal. You missed the uh, the uh, podcast bug unless you were listening earlier. But there's still plenty of merch at Tackle Craft if you want. So we got 78 plus people watching. We only got uh, 35 people in. He says sausage from the meat market is a family favorite. Oh, yeah. Plattenberg's. They do. They have the best bratwurst I've ever had. I'm getting hungry again. Wild rice. uh, Wild rice uh, bratwurst. Fantastic. Kirkle Gravy says that he thinks it is case sensitive. Hmm. Right. He said he counted 41. It's only Z36. Aaron says he's back from Kansas. Yeah. Arcan- What's our Kansas versus uh, our? Those two right there. Those are me and Aaron. <laughs> those two Denny's right there. Nice. Yeah. The Minnesota Denny's or? Yeah, back to back. We won on uh, Horseshoe Chain and then the Whitefish Chain. Since Teal's on the watching, listening. All right. Well, I think everybody that wants to get in has had a chance. So we're going to throw this back up here and uh, do the drawing. And then. We're going to give away some Bagley's, right? So why don't you, uh, we're going to do this drawing, get your Bagley's ready, and we'll show people what they uh, have a chance to uh, to win here. So last call, drawn. Critical Gravy, John Welsh, is your winner tonight. So Gravy, let me know whether you want the... Uh, the ghost gill or the leopard frog in your box? Chuck says, I just had a cranberry and wild rice brought from Grundhoffer's in Hugo. He's going to take black. Well, it's leopard frog or ghost gill. So you want... This black back is actually like a ghost gill color. So is that the one you want? Gravy? <laughs> the gummy bear brats, they're life-changing. I don't know about that. I don't, I don't know if I'm getting on board with gummy bear brats. 
I made the mistake the one day of ordering uh whatever that dirt thing is from uh Dairy oh, Queen. Oh, okay. No, the Dairy Queen with the gummy worms in it and I choked through it because there was Oreo in it, but yeah, you know, and I haven't missed too many meals. <laughs> <laughs> my my daughter convinced me to take her to the waffle bar in Lakeville. And so it's like this bubble waffle cone they filled with ice cream and it was pretty good. But actually I was like, you know what? I, I would just would rather just had more ice cream, less waffle, but it was still pretty good. Sure. What are Tony's opinion on the Wii cranks? How good do they work compared to the other foiled cranks? Is a Wii crank a Bagley? Or no, uh, he's probably talking about the W. He's maybe he's talking about the Zoom ones. I don't know. I don't know. Um, there was a the Wii. Was it Wii, Wii crank was a Norman, not Norman. Rebel. We are. Sure. Uh, that's not made anymore, but they're worth their weight in gold down on uh, like Dale Hollow and stuff like yeah. that. If that's what he's talking about. Oh, wow. It's getting contentious. Right. Come here, brats are overrated. I've never had one, but I would probably agree. It sounds overrated. I would think so. All right. So what kind of what kind of bagleys you got? What are we what are we looking at here? I've got a Pro Sunny B, uh Diving B1, and a Sunny B. We gotta show them off. We can't various just... crayfish colors. Well, come on. That's what we got going on. Oops, camera's over there. So we got the top. So you got a Sunny B, a Diving a B1, B1, and a yep. Pro. What's Pro the difference between a Pro Sunny B and a Sunny B? I'm not familiar. So a Sunny B, the body style on a Sunny B is a little bit narrower. It's more. It's kind of a, the best I can describe it, somewhere between a shad wrap and a um, a DT6. I would say it's got a tighter vibration than a DT6. Um, it's kind of the flagship uh, cold water bait. Um, and earlier in the, uh, it's also great too, like burning sand flats and stuff like that for smallies. Uh, it's got a lip, drives like anywhere from four to seven feet of water basically. Um, you can throw it a mile on a spinning rod. You can throw it on like 12 pound line too and um, cast pretty good. And then uh, the DB1 is a six to eight foot crank diver. Got a little bit wider wobble to it. Uh, all balsa. All three of these are balsa. And then the Pro Sunny B. Uh, oh, the, you were asking the difference between the Sunny B and the Pro Sunny B. I'm sorry. <coughs> Fighting allergies. I'm sorry, people. Um, the Pro Sunny B's got a little bit wider body at the head. It's a hair longer. I believe it's a quarter inch longer, if I remember correctly, not off the top of my head. And it's a square bill, and it hunts really good. It's it's actually my favorite square bill that I've ever thrown. Um, it will get down to six feet of water. If you have one that, that's running true, and you can tell out of the box it's going to be a six-foot diver because it's um, – it's just got a different throb to it. When you throw enough of them, you figure it out. But um, it is a fantastic bait. It is nothing nothing but a fish catcher. That's so the regular sunny bee is not a square bill? No. That's a um, – I can show you kind of the – We're going to blow – What's that? We're going to make you the star here so we can – Yay! Go better. So pro sunny bee – that's the lip it's got on it. So you see it's a narrow, 
That's uh, the pro. That's the regular Sunny okay, B. That's the regular Sunny B. Yeah. Okay. And other tackle companies try to emulate this particular bait right here. They they haven't been able to do it. It's an it's a narrow body. It's a tight wiggle. It's a really good cold water bait. And that it's one dives. No, no rattles. No nothing. None of them. None of the balsa baits have rattles in them. Um, which you really don't need because if you start to understand about crankbaits, those hooks bang off of it and make noise all the time. So, uh, so where, where, when and where do you like the regular sunny bee? Uh, generally earlier in the year. I mean, anywhere from ice out to um, when they start to eat a wider wobble personally. Uh, but it is a great burning bait. It stays really true running like sand flats for smallies and stuff like that. So it, it can be used all year long. Uh, it works really good in riprap and uh, kind of like you would a shad wrap. It's kind of the same type of a thing. Anywhere you're throwing that type of stuff, you're the I feel like I hear Noah stuff. Schultz talking about the sunny bee all the time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he's throwing it a lot. What is, but what does he know about fishing? I mean, yeah, nothing. Nothing at all. All hearsay. All right. So then the three boats and four pro, years. The pro, similar depth range, but more of a square bill. It doesn't run quite as deep, but it's a square bill. So I guess take that one out too. You're going to get busted, but no, I'll, I'll pull out another package, a new package instead. So I'm not the ones that I just pulled out. I mean, you're box. just saving people time. They just, yeah, to, we'll take them as I'll long as to tear them apart. Tear them out. So, oops. I remember where the camera is. So that's a pro Sunny B there. God dang. Ah, wrong way. It's always it's like backing up a trailer, Tony. At all. I, I'm good at that. I'm not good at this. Um, this is this is my favorite bait that Bagley makes. Okay. And then a, a DB2, which is the big crankbait, is my other my other favorite. That's my my weed line bait and the stuff that I'm throwing on. Like a DT6, DT8 type little, little. It's it's bigger than a DT10, but it runs to about 10 feet. You can sometimes squeak 12 out of them. Um but really, really consistently on 12-pound line, you can get 10 foot down. Nice. So, and I can show you that bait as well. But uh, it's that time of year when they're they're getting into that range where the crankbait's really working right now. So that is a DB2. It's just a larger version, same thing of the DB1. Um, it's okay, a, the DB1 is what we were saying is more like a DT6. This yes, is correct. More, this is more like a DT10. It's for, it's the size I mean, of like depth range. Size of a 14, and, but it's a 10. Yeah. I mean, cool. so it's a it's a bigger profile, doesn't dive quite as deep as a like a DT14 would. But it is an absolutely fantastic fish catching machine. Nice. Somebody is gonna win those three baits. So ideally this, are you good with shipping them? So if I get the, the information, and I'll just send to you, and then you can ship them direct instead of shipping to me and then shipping to... Absolutely. I'll send them out. All right. So we are... Uh... Share. Got a new... Uh... So we actually have Tacklecraft in here. He's much more of a... Uh... Old school Bagley aficionado. Yeah, he's a, he's much he's all about the old ones. Um, Chatter you know. B twos. That was a great bait. So 
Hashtag Bagley. Get you some. I'm not going to lie. I just bought six Chatter B2s off online. Uh, just paid for them today. Are those so. the old ones? or? Yeah, well, it's a, kind of a different... It's got a different lip on it. They don't make it anymore. Um, really wide erratic wobble to them. There, they were a fantastic babe. Yeah, this is kind. Of, I mean, this this kind of the the new Bagleys are kind of an interesting story. I mean, we can talk a little bit. You probably know more than I do, but I think we kind of know historically Bagley was like a really big deal, seventies, eighties, or whatever, right? Like, I mean, they were. I mean, you had to have Bagley's back then. I mean, that was like before I was really even throwing crankbaits. Um, and there was like always the the Winter Haven, Florida Bagley's versus when they went to the Dominican Republic and right, like people wanted them before they, right? Yeah. There was a, you know, there was, you know, there probably some, you know, quality ups and downs. Like I think there was some good baits that were in the Dominican, but they weren't nearly as consistent as the ones that were in Winter Haven from what I hear from kind of the, the experts. Um and I think it's kind of uh, changed hands a little bit. But now Bagley, does Bagley own Northland or Northland owns Bagley? Northland owns Bagley. Northland owns Bagley. So yep. Northland is a fairly established multi-species tackle company in Minnesota. They do a lot of different things. They got some good bass baits, uh, a lot of walleye stuff, some panfish stuff, probably other stuff I don't even know about. Um and owned by anglers for the most part, right? I believe, like uh, yeah. people that run Northland, Dwayne and John Peterson. Yeah, yeah. Um, they've been around. They've they they've fished tournaments in Minnesota for years. I don't know how active they were are now, but for a while they were they were fishing tournaments. Um, we probably both fished against them at one time or another. And uh, and it kind of sounds like they've kind of rebooted things a little bit. And rather than try to maybe recreate the baits of the seventies and eighties in winter Haven, they've kind of kind of put their own spin on it and come out with the new Bagley's. Is that fair? I, I would say that's fair. Yeah. They really took a look at the, um, at the finishes on them. And for years, the, the, the finishes were pretty generic, uh, more Southern based. I would say, you know, you had more of the, like the, chartreuse black back and the you know more shad type of colors last year they introduced some a great line of uh baits to target northern fish more where more emulating bluegill crawfish and perch and in different degrees of that for different colors of water so with those that new line of of colors it's catapulted um i i think their attractiveness to the to the general market um and they have they've 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 got some things quite frankly bagley was about out of business back in uh what year takahiro win the classic uh 05 yeah it was early 2000s i knew um, it i knew it yeah, i knew it i knew it five power um that was one on a bagley b2 and uh that bait him catching those two or three fish at the end of that classic catapulted and saved Bagley from distinction. They were going out of business at that point and they dabbled in line and they did a few other things. Um, and when that happened, it went from a five ninety nine bait to a $10 bait. It was kind of the start of that bait craze of 
where they got more expensive. Yeah. Um, and I think they were actually going as high as like $14 a pop or something like that. And then the lucky craft came in and skeet won some tournaments on lucky craft. And that just kept jacking that price. Um, but it, in an essence, saved Bagley Bates at the time. And since then there's been a lot more, um, things that they've done to improve it as the Petersons took over, pardon me, as Northland tackle group took that over and, um, and is really looking at, you know, improving glues on bills and, um, and finishes and making sure that the hooks are of, you know, they're all VMC hooks on every single crankbait, um, real high quality hooks. I mean, I bang them off of rocks for days on, on uh, as long as you can hold on to a bait on vermilion and the hooks are still sharp. So it's pretty crazy. They, you know, they protect the, the bait protects the hooks as well, but uh, they've got some new things coming up and it's going to be exciting. They've got a couple of new baits that they're working on and uh, hopefully get to test those this winter a little bit, but uh, there are, they did come out with frogs. Uh, Northland mm-hmm. came out with frogs that are a really nice quality. They're called a reed runner. And I actually I, saw those at Fleet Farm. Yeah. They're, they're, I love they're, the minimalist packaging of the Reed Runner frog. It's amen. like literally a hand tag tied to the, like, there's like no packaging. It's awesome. They wanted it to be a peg bait, and, and it's a peg bait. And um, perfect for a tackle shop in northern Minnesota to have them, you know, there not take up any shelf space. But uh, there's other there's other things coming in the bass market from Northland that are going to be pretty exciting. So looking forward to release that when they release those, that'll be awesome. Nice. Cool. Almost 50 more people are excited about this than the other one. Um, like it was one question. Do you tie direct or do you use a snap on your bag? Please. I'll always, I always tie direct. I don't want any personally. I don't want any failure from the split. The split ring is, is enough. I don't, I don't add a snap to it. Yeah. I know that some people do. I think it takes away a little bit of the depth. And most of the time when I'm cranking, I want as much depth as I can possibly achieve. So it's straight, straight line to it. And generally 12 pound fluorocarbon. Only tops. use clips on top waters. Cause I like to use a really, I use braid with like a short model leader. Yeah. <laughs> so then not having to like redo that leader would be the reason I would use a clip for that. But, yep. Um, Notice any difference at all between the new and OG Bagley's? Is, is it all mental? Um, I think they're they're kind of different, right? I mean, like, if I'm not, I, I guess I'm not a new Bagley aficionado, and I wasn't uh, OG Bagley aficionado, but I feel like there's not a lot of one for ones, is there? They're not like the same baits that they used to make in the 70s and 80s, are they? Yeah, there's a number of baits that have changed. Um, I mean. I don't know how to word that. I, I would say that the consistency is probably better now than it has ever been because, you know, the quality control is better in everywhere across the market. It's going to be better with any crankbaits where they run better. Um, and they're using the same lips from the same manufacturer. You know, that that's where, quite frankly, something like the old wiggle warts got into a problem. It, the wiggle wart thing, it, as long as you had the old body style of some sort, that crankbait was was the same dang bait. 
because that guy bought the cheapest crap he could possibly find. And that's what he put on in it, on it. The rattles weren't consistent, no matter what people say. Right. They're a fantastic bait. Um, but so much of it is, is now if they can't make it run the same way it used to, that's fine and dandy. That's a totally different beast. But as far as one bait to the next, why it's better is because the materials inside of it are different. Just like the balsa density in a balsa bait is a little bit different where they've tried and they've worked really hard to get the density the same so that the baits are very, very close to the same rather than one being just a total fish catching machine and one not. Yeah. I mean, you look at these old wiggle warts, they're like the flashing on the mold seam line, like they right. were a hot mess. And I think that's kind of what made them unpredictable and a little bit desirable. To some right. Way. They're a fantastic hunting bait. I mean, they, <laughs> Because you never knew where the heck they were going. I mean, it, I've got some too. I still hang on to. You know, I mean, I' not gonna lie and say I don't have them. I've got, I've got a few of them. I hold on to dearly. I lost one at Vermilion a couple of years ago because I was stupid and decided to throw it there instead of on like Table Rock or somewhere where I might need it. Um, but I, I think that the consistency is and the the quality has gotten way better over time because they've gotten more strict on the density of the balsa and that mm-hmm. type of stuff where the con- the consistency is there where it never used to be with a balsa bait you'd have one balsa bait that just caught the hell out of them i mean i remember david fritz back in the 90s i went to a seminar that he did he's like you got one of them balsa baits that catches fish you better hold on to it with your life well about six months no three months later i lost mine to a pike and it happened to be a chatter b2 from bagley as of all things in a fire tiger, but it had holes in the side and whatever else, but that bait, you threw it out and you caught them. I never was able to duplicate it off of that bait. You know, you get, um, you don't have to buy. Uh, I listened to a George Cochran deal on Bass U a while back. He talked about contacting the owner of Bagley at the time. I don't remember what his name was and saying, I need, 200 or it was like 200 or 300 of the b3s and he said i have to buy two to 300 because only one out of 10 is good that's not the case anymore the quality has gotten that much better you'd you'd get one bait out of 10 out of 12 out of 20 you know 30 years ago that were worth a darn that's not the case anymore because the consistency in the wood is there now That's true. Fire Tiger is a pike magnet up here. All right. Also catches bass. Yeah, no, it it does too. But yeah. like, yeah, for sure. All right. Yeah, it's like it's not like right. Like, it's not to say that one out of ten, they're all oh, they're all pike, but one out of ten is gonna be that magic, right? Like, it's gonna be like that's yeah, and that's what it used to be, where it was one would run way better than the other and, and would have something magical to it. Todd Bolden. Hey. Rigged. <laughs> rigged. Totally this might rigged. save you some shipping. Right? <laughs> I feel like Todd knows Tony. So. Todd fishes oh. with um, Brian Casey, I believe. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Partner. That's right. So, 
Uh, Todd, either reach out to me or to Tony directly with your uh, information, and we'll get that sent out. And I think uh, Critical Gravy, you know how to get a hold of me. Um, refresh my DMs so I don't have to go back and look for your uh, your um, your address again. So, congratulations. Maybe they'll be trying to throw them on uh, Waconia. Tis the season. Yeah, there was one question back here. Todd says he never wins, so he's he's appreciative. Well, congratulations. Well, you're a winner today, Todd. All right. I saw... Uh, Dustin, the ecstasy has been good. Catching quite a few fish on it. It's been fun. Been a good rod. Is it worth... What is it? $550? I don't know if any rod's worth $550. I mean, it sure is nice, but like, I don't think I'm going to be making a habit of buying a ton of ecstasies, but it's, it's, it's a, a fun rod to treat yourself with one of them. <laughs> um... Chuck says, fall season bass, where to find them, depth in Minnesota, and what rod you'd be your favorite, or what would be your top three rigs? It would be a jig, a jig, and a jig. <laughs> Depends on how shallow they are. Yeah. A um, to me, the fall season is, you kind of got two main things, in my opinion. And I'll let you chime in, Tony. Sure. But you got your fish that are going to, in a lot of our lakes, the fish that are going to hold on the latest greenest grass as long as they can. For sure. Then you got the fish that are going to get shallow on hardcover. That's kind yeah. of the two, in my opinion, that's the two main deals that I target. Yeah, definitely. And those are the two things that win tournaments in the fall, I think. Yeah, you got to find green weed. Is if if there's green weed available you know, green weed is going to be pretty key. And it's, it can be, it depends on the lake. It can be 12 feet of water. It can be two feet of water. I just fished a lake the other day that uh, the weeds are not growing past like four feet of water right now. It's going to be a hell of a fall to catch them because there's nothing for them to sit on. And that it will become more of a hard bottom situation. I guarantee it because of that. Yeah. And then like the shallow grass tends to disappear first. Um, So there's, those fish that live five, six feet and less, some of those fish will go out to the deeper grass, but the yeah. other ones are going to go to pad stems. They're going to go to overhangs. They're going to go to wood in the water. They're going to go to docks, uh, shallow rocks, things like that. So um, I just think there's a large population of shallowish fish that live in that mid range that in the fall, they get kind of caught. I don't know, without, without anything to hang out in. And then they, they rush the bank to some degree um, or they end up going out to the last green grass. So you can kind of intercept them in either way. Yeah. And, and a jig is, I mean, chatterbait plays a buzz bait. Uh, cranking can be good in the fall. Kind of those medium depth kind of crankbaits can be really good in the fall. Rattle um, trap. Yeah. Lipless crank. But uh, when in doubt, I like to throw a jig. As it gets later and later in the year, that they'll get more and more on that rattle trap bite. I mean, not not down in the 30s, but 45 to 42 degrees, um, breaking it out of the milfoil and stuff like that on them sand patches can be really, really good. Um, just depends. There's a lot of lakes that it's it's good in, and other lakes you don't catch them at all. But 
Yeah. I would say a half ounce jig is a good place to start. I generally go lighter than that myself, yeah. but it, it, everybody, it's a, it's a preference on what you like to fish. It can be as light as a quarter. I actually go away from jigs in the fall. I actually go to more Texas rigs, more Texas rig craw tubes hmm. in the fall. Um, I think they've seen that jig fall so much all year long that now they want a little pendulum or something and they bind it a little bit better. That's my kind of my confidence thing in the fall. Yes. Yeah. Depends on what you're throwing it on. <laughs> if it's if it's weeds, it's more of a weed jig. And if it's hard bottom, then a football jig whenever you can get away with it. The hookup rate's better and uh, it stays on the bottom. They're getting better, but they still hurt. I got T-boned in early yes. August. <laughs> That's no fun. That's still thankfully you're okay, right? Every time I lift up the trolling water, I feel it. <laughs> well, I had a I had a food poisoning issue earlier in the mm. year and uh ended up passing out and landing in a bathtub of all things. Uh, I was in the bathroom and messed my back up pretty bad. So the early part of my season was a little rough that way too. Uh, so I feel you. I mean, <laughs> thankfully it went away in a relatively short amount of time, but oof. Cool. Let's see what else. There was a couple other things I had on my list here. Um, so the MLF Invitationals, have you, did you, have you followed that at all? That, that press release came out yesterday? I read it a little bit. Um, yeah, I, they call them an invitational, but anybody can jump in that has the money kind of a thing. So it doesn't oh, really, it's kind yeah. of an option. Me, it's more of like an open invitation. Yeah. So if it's they like don't, if they don't find here. enough, if they don't find 150 <laughs> guys that want to pay for all of them, locals will be able to jackpot them. Right. Um, they lowered the entry fees, but they've also lowered the payouts. They went from four days to three days. Um, so it's exactly the same as the FLW series was. Yeah, they're, they're kind of turning them into the series. They're making them much more similar to the Opens. I think the there is no title championship anymore. Right. Uh, there is some automatic bids into the Red Crest, which is probably one of the few upsides. They did lower entry fees from 5800 to 5000 but I think the payouts have lessened more than the ratio of the entry fees. So it really feels like they've reduced operating costs and increased margins. <laughs> on this tournament circuit. So I don't feel like it's a great deal for the anglers. Right. Based on, I haven't like done like super hard math, but everything on the surface does not feel like this is a great deal for the, the anglers, uh, which is weird because I feel like there was enough people that were ticked about the opens wanting to fish all nine. Right. But I feel like MLF, if they could have like held the course, they probably could have won some stuff, but now I feel like they've floundered that opportunity. Right. In my opinion. Yeah, I stop messing with it if it's working. And if, but if it's not, then you know I'm not sure where they're going with that. You know, the BASS going to a nine tournament mandate for somebody to qualify for the elites is quite frankly, can you? It, it's they're looking for can you afford to fish? Mm -hmm. Because there's been too many one and dones, or they fish three tournaments and then they can't afford tournaments four and five on the elite series. And so they're trying to make sure that somebody can actually afford to fish the elite series. Not that they're just, oh my God, I made it. So now I'm in it and not have the money to do it. I feel um, like 
MLF kind of bailed out Bassmaster a little bit. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, the Toyotas are Toyotas are probably on the MLF side is probably the best bang for the buck right now from a payout, especially if you run a Phoenix or something like that. Um, yeah. They also reduced the overall, like I think instead of a hundred grand to win, it's 80 grand to win now. Yeah. All the invitation. So one, the Toyota on uh, Gunnersville this year with that 324 votes was like $82,000 to win. With or without Phoenix? Without. With Phoenix, it would have been 113. Whatever, 35,000 plus 82. So yeah. $117,000 to win that tournament if you're at a Phoenix. Um. Any any over two hundred and sixty to two hundred sixty boats, it's figured at fifty k for first place plus a thirty five thousand dollar Phoenix bonus. So, yeah. The other thing, so uh, Malax BPT just wrapped up today. Dustin Canal came. I mean, I think I wasn't watching it real close. I was just kind of watching the score tracker because I don't know. There's something about their format that makes it hard to watch for me. Um, but Michael Neal was winning most of the day, and then Dustin Canal came storming back. Um, so he won today. I think he won back to back BPTs. Uh, he's won two or three this year. And uh, the other, the controversy though, there was what three, four anglers that were using either multiple rig A rigs or double fluke rigs yes. <laughs> during competition on TV, and basically, uh, they got citations from the DNR. They paid their fines, but MLF slash BPT did not penalize them in any way. Yeah. Which seems really weird. They also had guys fishing multiple rods. Elton Jones so Jr. And I don't remember who the other one was. You had a small mouth on, drop another rod over, hook another fish. They were fishing multiple rods. Yeah. Um, to me, you know what? If I caught, if I get caught, going six miles an hour in a five mile an hour no wake zone and i get a ticket i'm dequeued from any tournament i fish any yeah. any tournament with any rules so I, mean, like there's, I don't know how many stories from minnetonka where people have gotten speeding tickets because of the 40 mile an hour speed limit out there that have gotten dequeued from big tournaments on minnetonka where they've had big bags in the yep. live wells i think dean uh, dean capper had that story on teal's yep. uh deal with um having the Shelby one, I think it was a Shelby and got a ticket in the no egg zone for going too fast and or coming in too hot or not setting um, down or whatever. So yeah. 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 So to me, if you break a state law and you get, I mean, every, every tournament you've ever seen, that's in the rules. Any tournament that's got a set of bylaws that are that heavy, uh, which basically means any Denny's, any, you know, team TBF tournament, any team uh, min bass tournament, they've all got that same role. You get any kind of a ticket from the DNR and you are DQ'd. So if you don't yeah, have your throw cushion out in the, in yeah, the game board, yeah, you, you get a, I mean, any kind of violation, right? You, you, yeah. your fire, your fire extinguisher wasn't charged and you get a ticket. That's exactly. a safety violation. That's a, you, yeah. And it says in the, the MLF rules that all fish must be caught by obeying local or like, State it says it right in there. Yep. Um, so literally, like it could have shaken everything up, and Wheeler could have gotten. De- he should have. They should have. They didn't necessarily have to be DQ'd from the whole tournament, but if they should have been lost their weight for the days that they did it. Right. You know. 
Um, yeah, so Jim says they only got second rod violations, no multiple hook violations that were handed out. But yeah, I mean, either way, right? It's still, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, but it's not bring it up. I mean, it, it, we're not going to change what it did, but you know, no. pretty, we don't agree with. <laughs> the The irony is, I can go down to an, uh, a Toyota Series event, and the Minnesota rig's not legal. It's got one hook on it, but it's not legal. They have a maximum number of spinners and a maximum. Yeah, the Minnesota eight. rig's not legal in the Bass. Like we asked if we could, there were people asking in our Bass Nation Northern Regional, like on Vermilion, whether we could throw the Minnesota rig. And it's not legal in a Bass Nation tournament. Yeah, I had to to actually check the rules in the TBF. I did throw it a little bit. Didn't catch any fish on it, but I had to make sure that it was actually legal prior to making a cast with it. The TBF is still the Wild West. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they just say the rules are the state laws. Yeah. That's where it's at. Now, at the national level, it's going to go to the TBF or to the uh, uh, the BFL rules, I'm sure. Yeah. Which is three bait or no, three live wire and then two dummies and a maximum of five spinners would be. As long as it doesn't exceed state, which I think Oklahoma is like wide open. But Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, but they always, they default to that BFL rule, which is yeah. three live baits on there. Live baits meaning ones with hooks, not with minnows. So Chuck says he's ready to pull the trigger on upgrading to a tournament series bass boat. I think I'd prefer aluminum or fiberglass. Thoughts, best brands. Um, Tim, I mean, I think aluminums are very viable, especially depending on what you're going to fish. I mean, if I was mainly fishing not leech, (laughs) not Malax, like not Minnetonka, a handful of lakes, like, you know, a, a Vexus or an Express or something like that would be a very viable, whether it was the 18, the 19 footers. Um, to me, from what I hear about, and I guess I don't remember, I don't know where you live, Chuck. Um, around here in Minnesota, if I was going to go aluminum, I probably would go Vexus from Intune Marine. Um, Crestliner's got some good things going on. They have a really big front deck platform. I've heard all secondhand. I don't know. I, I don't know. You hear things about the builds, <laughs> but I think, I don't know if they, I don't know as far as like hull problems and things like that. And I don't know if they've got over that or not, but you hear things about that other than that. But I mean, I mean, from a fishability standpoint, I, I mean, the Crestliner, the Vexus, the Express, the problem with the Express up here is you can't find one. There's no dealers anywhere near here. I think you have to go like six, seven hours into Iowa to find an Express dealer. But, uh, I mean, I guess if I was around here, the first place I would go is check out the Vexus at the uh, Intune. But I don't know if you fished out of any of them. I mean, I fished out of Sobey's boat. I thought it was really nice. His uh, Vexus. I, I fished out of a what is it, an AVX? The eighteen, eighteen and a half footer, nineteen footer, whatever. The smaller of the two. Um, quick little boat. I mean, little in comparison to running a twenty-one footer, but um, but the stability was awesome in it. Honestly, it had like a one, one thirty-five or a one fifty horse on it, and um, it, it was a nice boat. It was a nice boat for the you know, on a more of a realistic budget than 
the glass boat guys of the world like myself. So yeah, the the Lund Pro V Chuck is a nice boat. I've yeah. seen them. I know uh, Kobe Koenig fishes out of it. The uh, the Bar Boys fish out of the Lund. Gussie fishes out of Lund. Uh, Jason Holland. Yeah. Um, although I think when you get up into the 20 foot Lund, I don't think there's much of a cost savings over fiberglass at that point. <laughs> You're still hanging a 250 on the back, but yeah, I don't, I mean, I think, um, so I guess, yeah, I, I think the Lund though, that I, I, I feel like they're hard to get still. Um, they're high demand, high commodity. Uh, so, I mean, they're by all means a solid boat, heard great things about them. I don't think you're going to save any money over a glass in a, in a Lund Pro V from what I've heard, but I would never knock it. Seems like a really good boat. Good, great big water boat. Um, right. That's a big, I know in my, in my, my basket, I couldn't keep up with the bars on leech, but I'd like to try it in my Camus though. (laughs) (laughs) I want to redo. (laughs) Um, yeah. Kyle runs a bass boat and, uh, Tyler runs the walleye boat. Okay. From yeah. the bars. No, yeah. I mean Wheeler is a phenom, but he shouldn't get special treatment when he breaks laws. So uh, I run an Ultrix. Do you run an Ultrix? I run an Ultrix, yeah. 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 Love it. I've had I've had no problems, you know, knock on wood, but um I like the availability of service across the country, mm-hmm. especially where we live thing. too. Yeah. Like, yeah, um, and uh, it's so not a knock, not a knock on Lawrence or or uh, Garmin, but I travel across the country and I got to be able to get it fixed. And they're just a little more proven. They've been out longer, so they've yes, kind of got the. Uh, the bugs figured out i feel like yeah they're eventually gonna i'm sure they're eventually gonna come up with a brushless i would guess it'll probably be you know in 23 sometime yeah so somebody was asking about the minnesota rig here i'm gonna share it so uh it's made by uh hog farmer yep so basically if they have hog farmer makes a bunch of good rigs but the minnesota rig is a Basically, a an S ton of blades <laughs> and uh, one single wire because we can only have one live hook and one one bait, even if it doesn't have a hook in it. Uh, you want me to grab bunnies. one, Rich? Sure, if you want. I'll go but grab it real quick. Basically, what it is. This is the the umbrella rig of legal choice in Minnesota that's not in border waters. So. And I don't know if Omnia has them any in stock. They do. I might be ordering one of these before we're done tonight or two. I thought I had a notification turned on, but uh, so this is really popular for smallies, uh, lakes, Malax, things like that uh, in Minnesota. Jeremiah, if you're up there, I would definitely reach out to Shark at Marine General. He can probably hook you up with an Ultrax. There's definitely would be shops up by Duluth. If Marine General is not one of them, there are should be something up there, um, or they'd be able to point you in the right direction, or they'd be able to tell you who was up there. Uh, but definitely go talk to Shark at Marine General and tell him uh, I sent you. He'll take care of you.
That's good to know, Nick. Shouldn't be floating. Should put a drain in that foot pedal. <laughs> hey, Riggs. Ah, you missed all the giveaways, Carol. I haven't. I haven't asked Dustin, but I've got alerts set up, so we'll see. Yeah, I bought my Helix Twelve from him at the sports show. So, you ready? There it is, a live, a live one. What kind of swim, what kind of swim bait we got on there? Uh, it's a little Kitek, uh, Easy Shiner, four inch Easy Shiner with the three eighths ounce head, with a boxer head on it. Yep, in. Whatever that color was that you were talking about earlier. Sungill? Sungill. There you go. It's a whole lot of spinning. Yeah. You can only have five spinners down south. That's why it's not legal. It's got tens. Hmm. I haven't taken all the blades off of it. I've thought about it down south because I hate throwing a multi-rig one. And that's way easier to throw and you can throw it all day long. Well, we're creeping up on two hours, so I guess I'm going to make a last call for questions. I feel like we covered the gamut. I had a lot of fun talking with you, Tony. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed it. Next week, I don't know if there's going to be a stream. I'm hoping to get out to Pigstone and do some practicing. So, uh, and uh, yes, we did. We did talk about that earlier, Bass Assassin. So <laughs> it was a good one. I listened to that game on the way home from Vermilion. So. It was the only thing that made Ron's day. But, uh, yeah, so I don't know if I'll have a stream. If I do, it'll probably be Tuesday next week. I do got some things that I want to put on the boat that I got, but I'm trying to get caught up on my editing before I start doing that. So look for uh, the next day of the Lahamadu video and maybe get this Vermilion video out next week and get kind of caught back up here. So, uh you're definitely not going to catch more than one fish at a time on a Minnesota ring. Nope. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, the Ultrex is not as quiet as some of the new ones, but I think the the uh, the, the two main. Th- I guess the. I feel like the Ultrex is a little cheaper. Right, <laughs> um, it's it's a proven, robust like delivers like they've got all the bugs, they've figured it out, they've been making it for six or seven years, and then it's easy to get serviced. So, um, if you want the newer ones, have they're a little bit more expensive. They got a little more power, being brushless. Um, they definitely put out more thrust. They are can <coughs> be a little quieter. Um, the downside is service around the country and some of them are a little buggy from time to time if you get a good one it's kind of like the uh the evan if you get a good one you get a good one if you don't get a good one then <laughs> good luck there were some board issues early on in the yeah on the foot we're deal. probably getting to the point now at this point that for the ghost and the force that they're pretty much good to go i would probably yeah. bet um it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter. Like we were talking about boats earlier. It doesn't matter whether it's a boat, whether it's a trolling motor, whether it's, it doesn't matter. You're going to have problems. It's just the nature of the beast, unfortunately. I mean, mm-hmm. graphs, 
they all have their problems at times. Yeah, it's true. Which I they mean, didn't, but. it's it's a little bit about the rate, but it's also like just about anything you buy. <laughs> there's a decent chance that there is going to be a bug or a hiccup, whether it's a rod, whether it's electronics, trolling motor, a boat, a truck. Right? It's about their ability to do something about it and how willing they're to do something about it. Right? Exactly. So. Amen. Cool. All right. Well, I think, uh, yeah, if you guys came in late, catch the replay on Facebook, YouTube, uh, or download or search Hellabass on your favorite podcast app. You can listen in. There's a whole bunch of great content from guys like Tony and uh, guests in the past that keep you uh, entertained when you're driving to the lake or walking your dog or working out. So uh, appreciate everybody that came in tonight. Uh, stay tuned whether we have a schedule. If not, I'll crank out some videos next week. And then uh, probably the last week of September, we'll definitely be on and probably do a member stream that last week. So thank you, Tony. Congrats right. again. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Rich. Yeah. And as always, here to help you guys catch more big bass and suck less. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less.